0: this podcast is proudly supported by career Facts. the team at career Facts is just as passionate about connecting people with the right course as you are as australia's number one careers and course search site career Facts attracts over 12 million visitors a year and have partnered with over 50 leading providers want to increase your student enrollments head to careerfacts.com.au your partner in student acquisition. From Clare Field and Associates, I'm Clare and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now? What Next? Insights into Australia's Tertiary Education Sector. I've just returned from attending the second ASEAN-Australia Education Dialogue in Penang, Malaysia. And while I'm sure some of you are about to hit delete on this episode, thinking that you don't deliver offshore and therefore this episode won't be relevant to you, I'm going to ask you to just go with me for a couple of minutes to see if I can change your mind. Why? not because I'm going to try and convince you that you can or should deliver offshore in the ASEAN region or anywhere else for that matter, Um, but instead because I think in some important ways, providers in the ASEAN region are now ahead of Australia in teaching high-tech skills. They get Industry 4.0 Advanced Manufacturing and have been delivering courses for years to help businesses meet their skill needs in relation to artificial intelligence, automation, cyber security, big data, advanced manufacturing, etc, etc. And I'm not talking just about Singapore. There are lots of other, both traditional providers, polytechnics or or TAFE institutes as we would call them, um, and edtech companies and a very interesting and innovative skills development centre, um, the Penang Skills Development Centre, and really those that I met could, to quote a phrase, eat our lunch if we're not careful. So hopefully um, that might be of broader interest to you, and if it is, strap in and let me explain what I saw and what I learned. And I guess I wanted to start off by reflecting that Typically, when we think about um, our VET system and our relationship with countries in the ASEAN region, maybe except for for Singapore, most of us probably do start from a point of what we can offer, what we can share, what we know. And historically, you know, that's obviously been something that that has been important. And um, a number of you listening will have those kinds of relationships in place, Um, I would argue that, particularly in the VET sector, some of what helped us advance and, and gave us knowledge to share were reforms like the Australian Qualifications Framework. We were one it's the first in the world to, to integrate and, uh, and put together in a framework um, our various qualifications across different education sectors as well as what is the bane of many of our lives in the vet sector now, but training packages, which at the time that they were introduced were an innovation in terms of helping industry have real input into the design of training standards. The problem that we're faced with, or not all of you, some of you are doing very innovative things in Australia and in the region, but many providers working within the current established uh, framework which we have in Australia is that those kinds of reforms which put us really at the forefront, um, particularly in the vet sector, they were introduced almost a quarter of a century ago. That's a really long time. And while we've made changes since then, mostly I'm going to argue that was about tinkering with them. And while we've been tinkering, particularly in the last few years, our friends and partners across the ASEAN region are moving and have moved ahead of us. And uh, both providers um, and educators that I met at the um, ASEAN Australia Education Dialogue and on a couple of site visits um, had some really interesting, innovative practices um, which I want to share with you. But before I discuss what I learned, from and I'm going to jump into an acronym, A-A-E-D, that's the ASEAN Australia Education Dialogue, I first of all really wanted to acknowledge the tremendous work done by Michael Fay from AFG Ventures Group and Thompson Ching in bringing the dialogue and all the participants together. Um, if this event isn't on your radar, then I would strongly recommend that you consider thinking about um attending next year and I will put a link to um, the AAED website in the show notes for this episode. So what was it? Well, it wasn't a full-on conference. It was much more a a dialogue, a chance for people from across the region um, to come together and talk with one another and, and share good practice. It was terrific. It involved keynote addresses from leading government and education figures, from across a range of ASEAN countries, particularly obviously Malaysia as the host, um, as well as Australia. Then in addition to those kind of keynote um, uh, sessions, there were also six panel sessions um, focused on uh, a range of topics of relevance across both FET, higher education and international education. So there was quality of research in Um, the university sector, uh, vocational education partnerships, um, strengthening the alumni network and focus on graduate employability for international students, enhancing student mobility between and across ASEAN and Australia, um, strengthening and improving quality assurance in English language testing and the one that was particularly close to my heart, harnessing digital technology for application in workplace training and with employment outcomes. And the reason that one was close to my heart is not just my passion for edtech, but I was very fortunate to be asked to actually chair that panel session. Um, The speakers in that panel session included Sarveen Kandia, the Managing Director of Open Learning Malaysia, Danny Bielik, the CEO of Burst Learning from Singapore. Pak Iken Salikin from PTHR in Indonesia. Dr. Shahira Labai-Lufti, who's a senior lecturer in um, USM uh, in Penang. And Kathy Sims, who is the head of Rural Biz Training, which is a part of Academies Australasia, based in Australia actually out in in Dubbo Um, and in chairing the panel session I was also um, very fortunate to be asked to facilitate a follow-up workshop with a range of some of the same and and some other um, participants looking at issues in the use of digital technology um, to support workplace training as well as the actions that AAED um, could take to support addressing some of those issues. Um, I'm not going to get into uh, the actions that we agreed on, I think it's more appropriate that there will be a publication coming out of the the AAED dialogue and when it's um, available I'll certainly um, circulate it to to anyone who is interested and I'll put some details on, on my website and a link to the AAED site but I do think you may, or maybe not, but I suspect you may be surprised by the issues that were identified in the workshop. They're issues that we're facing here in Australia in terms of the use of digital technology, but sometimes we don't have a venue or a space to to talk about them. So some of the the topics and issues um, that we discussed were that mobile use is now widespread right across the ASEAN region and that's bringing educational delivery costs down but mobile delivery is not well suited to delivering long-form education content. Um, Therefore, if we're focusing on lots of access and trying to make education available at a cheaper price point um, to learners who otherwise might be excluded, Does this mobile-first focus mean we need a new pedagogy? Focused on breaking down workplace training, I'm not talking about degrees or lengthy diplomas done on on mobile, but if we're thinking about workplace training, do we need a new pedagogy to break that down into bite-sized chunks uh, which are, you know, well-suited to a mobile environment? We discussed video as an option, but there are bandwidth issues in some, not all, in some ASEAN countries, and I would say also in some parts of Australia. Uh, regulation and accreditation is an issue um, in the increasing use of digital technology and the move to more mobile learning, and I think that's something that many of you listening uh, would uh, would certainly sympathise with. So how do we engage regulators uh, on this issue? Uh, um, Participants in the workshop talked about how employers are increasingly looking to ed tech companies rather than traditional educators for their digital workplace training content or courses, and that um, while lectures and classroom-based delivery are increasingly being replaced by projects or hands-on learning, um, where does that fit in a digital environment? Um, it's a particular area of interest and of shift happening um, for learners who are already in the workplace and looking to uh, upskill. We discussed how, no no brainer on this one, uh, online learning is much more suitable to meet the education needs of industries and occupations that are changing very quickly. Um, Workplaces, you know, where where job roles are changing, um, online education is particularly well suited because the content can be quickly and easily modified. Uh, We also discussed that the move within the uh, education sector away from traditional teacher-directed education models and towards more peer-to-peer learning or socialised learning, how well is that done, are we thinking about how to do that in a digital um, environment? And then quite interestingly uh, for me, um, a number of the participants in the workshop discussed how government funding in a number of ASEAN countries um, and I would suggest perhaps in Australia is not well aligned to the skill outputs Um, that are being delivered Um, most funding is still based on inputs and then this was particularly of interest to me Um, some uh, workshop participants said that in their countries across different um, parts of um, the ASEAN network there's very generous perhaps too much funding um, for VET or what we would say as vet, and this is causing problems because it's resulting in a focus on quantity over quality. And I bit my tongue rather than saying, "My goodness, I wish we had a problem with too much funding um, in the Australian vet sector." So that was uh, very interesting, and I will um, uh, include uh, hyperlinks to the. Um, businesses and organisations from the um, panellists from the digital technology session uh, because again I think um, you'll be interested in the the education and training models that, uh, that they have in place and lastly before I sort of wrap this up I wanted to just give some insights from the site visits Uh, that were organised in conjunction with um, the AAED dialogue. Now, there were different options available, um, higher education, university research. You will not be surprised to know that I chose the VET options, uh, which were uh, both a visit to a local polytechnic and a visit to a skills development centre. And I think particularly the latter has something to offer Australia as we're grappling with the shape of the skills organisations recommended by the Joyce Review. So starting with the uh, Polytechnic or their version of a TAFE institute first and I'm not going to try and get my mouth around it because I will probably dreadfully mangle the, the pronunciation but it goes by the acronym PTSB. Um, It was established back in 2002 originally on a temporary campus and moved to where it's currently located, which is a fantastic 100-acre campus um, at the Kulim High-Tech Park in 2003. So it's situated in a high-tech business park. Despite that, it is not yet uh, one of Malaysia's leading edge polytechnics. It was the 16th one created by their Ministry for Higher Ed, and it now educates approximately 4,000 students a year. It offers both certificate and diploma courses in one of six departments, so it tends to have a scope which is narrower um, than our TAFE institutes. The six departments on offer at PTSB were civil engineering, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, computer science and mathematics, general studies and commerce. They also have a particular lifelong learning program which they run on weekends and which involves part-time study for people who are already in um, uh, in work. They have achieved a 94.5% uh employment rate for their graduates who are either in employment post-study or in further study um, and that compares very favourably with the rate for across the the whole of the um, Malaysian polytechnic sector of 84%. So that all sounds really good. Why are they um, an organisation, an institution that we should be focused on? Well. In recent years they've introduced a number of innovations to allow them to incorporate training for artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, big data, green skills, and a whole heap of other new and emerging um, industry skills needs into their courses. The head of their electrical engineering department has spent time in Germany studying um, Industry 4.0, Artificial Intelligence, what that means in terms of the changing world of work and what the skill needs are. The Polytechnic has its own Industry Advisory Committee drawn from those employers operating in that high-tech industrial park. Um, They provide input into courses and content and that's complemented by a another industry advisory committee which provides input into the National Department um, of Polytechnic Education. Each course offered by the Polytechnic includes 50 hours of teaching by industry professionals and that's complemented by their own teacher return to industry programs. so that's how they manage Um, the the ongoing vocational um, and industry competence of their teachers. And while our visit was at a time when their students were actually uh, on leave, we met trainers and departmental heads um, across a number of different uh, departments and specialisations, and some of what they were teaching would be quite standard in one of our TAFEs or even private RTOs. And some of what they were doing was quite different. Um, for example, the Department of Mechanical Engineering. Now, this is not offering university-level education. This is diplomas and certificates. And they have a range of workshops for hands-on learning. And I am going to rattle through them. That's machining, welding, fitting, foundry, plastics, strength and material, mechanics and machine... Metrology, robotics, CADCAM, automation, electrotechnology, instrumentation and control. Now, this is not an elite or an exceptional Malaysian polytechnic. As I said, its aim is to be a leading edge TVET institution. It's in a, although it's on the edge of an industrial park, it's in a relatively um, more regional area of, of Malaysia, and yet it's got a robotics lab, an automation lab, um, amongst others. It's been teaching and offering these courses for years and and many others. I've only picked the, the mechanical engineering department. I could rattle through various others. So while it's fantastic that we're offering automation Uh, courses in conjunction with some of our leading employers particularly in the mining industry particularly over in Western Australia there's also been a big push on delivering training for cyber security and it's been great to see ministers across the country I'm very proud of the courses that their local institutes are offering in Australia we really need to keep in mind what's being offered by not the leading polytechnics um, in countries like Malaysia that are not yet as developed as Australia. They are working with Germany and other leading countries to make sure that they are delivering the most advanced technical skills and it's truly um, very impressive. And while I was impressed by the polytechnic, we then went after lunch to the Penang Skills Development Centre and uh, I was in awe of what they're doing and how they're doing it. They are recognised as a leading edge institution. Um, Their mission statement is transforming talent for industry by industry and that's clearly what they do. They were established in the late 1980s in response to skill shortages, which were being experienced in Penang by leading global companies like Intel, Motorola, Hewlett Packard, etc. They had set up in Penang because it had uh, it was a special economic development zone. They'd been there for a few years and they were experiencing skill shortages. So to help address them government, industry, those those leading global businesses and educators came together to build a tripartite, um, not-for-profit skills development model and it's hugely impressive. They've had international recognition as an exemplary model of human resource development. They've trained over 200,000 participants in more than 10,000 courses now they currently offer 350 and that shows and we talked about how they take decisions on what the new skills are that are needed by these leading global players they don't keep delivering what they've always been delivering they let go courses when those skills are no longer needed and they introduce the the new courses that uh, that industry Um, needs. In 2016, they explicitly executed an Industry 4.0 initiative to support what they describe as a new phase of industrial revolution in Malaysia. Um, They're now focused on becoming a centre of excellence globally on Industry 4.0 and the input and guidance that they have from uh, from their industry members, they have two hundred um, employer members who contribute um, equipment, software, teaching resources, uh, who help them design and decide on course content. Um, it's it's a really genuine partnership between government, uh, a training centre and the uh, the employers who who need the skilled graduates that they produce. Um, They're so connected to and embedded with industry that they no longer just provide education and training. They've expanded to offer um, a suite of other services, most notably um, an electromagnetic compatibility, an EMC lab, which allows their members to access access testing facilities incredibly high end to support the design and development activities for those who are working in the electronics and electrical sector. Um, I probably can't do it justice to explain what it does uh, but uh, I can if you really want an explanation or you might want to have a look on their website and I'll put the uh, website links to both the PSDC and the Polytechnic um, in the uh, show notes for the episode. Just before I finish up, um, I should note that in recent years, the Penang Skills Development Centre has unsurprisingly also started offering consultancy services in countries like Brazil, Madagascar and Bangladesh, helping them to implement similar skills development centres. And I could not be more serious when I say I actually think there is an opportunity for them to offer their consultancy services to us, particularly, again, as we look at what these new skills organisations look like. How do we bring industry much closer into uh, the training sector with support from government and with preferred trading providers directly linked in. So you can tell from all the enthusiasm in my voice that um, it was a fantastic few days. Uh, I could not have, uh, I could not, I did not realise how much I would learn from it. Um, And it's introduced me to another network of incredibly Um, impressive and creative people right across the region Uh, and once again I would strongly recommend this to you um, uh, to have in your calendar uh, for next year. And with that we're almost at the end of another episode. I do always very much welcome your ideas and thoughts. What do you think about uh, what we can learn um, from um, providers and um, industry and government initiatives in in other places uh, do let me know if you're delivering in the region if you've had your own experience I'd love to hear more about it um, you'll find me on twitter at Seafield and Associates I'm on LinkedIn and you can also find Clarefield and Associates on Facebook lastly don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from It does help people find the show and it also tells me what you want more of. If you subscribe to the show in your podcast feed, it will automatically load the next episode for you as soon as I've got it available. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's Tertiary Education Sector.